Photo Shelter presents Vision Slightly Blurred. I'm Alan Murabayashi. And I'm Sarah Jacobs. Sarah Jacobs, how you doing? I'm doing good. How about you, Alan? We're talking about filters today. Filters. Yeah. You know, filters originally were all about optical filters back in the film days. Yes. And filters were traditionally just placed in front of the lens or sometimes in the back of the lens if the front element was too big. And when I was a kid, the first filter that I had was actually uh, a clear UV filter that my dad put on my Olympus camera to protect the lens. Amazing. And then when I was in seventh grade and I joined the photo club, I got really into these, um, the brand is called Kokin, C-O-K-I-N, and they were square filters. So you'd have a little filter attachment and then you'd slip the filter on and I got one of these uh, Starburst filters so that when you sh- you you pointed your camera at like a bright point of light, it created a little starburst pattern. Oh, that's so cute. And then I played around with polarizing, yeah. circular polarizers. Yep, yep, yep. Neutral density. Okay. And my current favorite optical filter is actually the Batinov filter because I got really into astrophotography uh, last year. And the Batinov filter is named after this guy, Batinov, who went on this forum, Russian forum, to say, hey, I think we can use the physical property of diffraction to help us focus. So it's just this weird thing where you point it at a light again, and then you see these these spikes. Oh, and when no. you focus, it it aligns all the spikes together into like one little asterisk, so you know it's in focus. Okay, but it's not actually affecting the photo that's coming out. Like, it doesn't look like a little sparkle. No, because once you do the focus, you just pull it out. It's only oh. uses focus aid. Oh, nice. Okay. I am so pleased that you brought up the history of filters because when we decided we wanted to talk about them, I was like, let's do a little Googling. And also, I remember filters uh, back in the day when it was what you just put on the lens. I I did not use as many filters as you did. I think I've used like a polarizing filter and then a protective filter as well. And like, that's kind of it. But then... When we got into digital photography, a lot of the software like Adobe Lightroom and Adobe Photoshop started having simulated filters. So especially with black and white, you could simulate putting a red filter or a yellow filter on, which just increases contrast. Um, and sometimes those filters are actually have, you know, it says yellow filter with a number after it. Initially in the digital realm, we started just seeing filters that replicated stuff that happened optically. And then in the late aughts into the yeah into the late aughts yeah late aughts the the rise of the apps kind of changed the game do you remember this uh this app called hipstamatic oh do i remember (laughs) it god i remember being so annoyed by that name because it it was triggering and also i was like oh this is so marketed towards me damn it i'm gonna download it right now um yeah no i definitely downloaded hipstamatic um i think around the same time that i downloaded instagram though um, it was sort of a simultaneous thing because I wanted my photos on Instagram to look good, you know? Well, Hipstamatic predated Instagram yeah. by, I think, a few years. Yes, it and did. And their, their sort of reason for existing um, was to simulate vintage cameras and vintage film stock. And if I'm remembering mm-hmm. correctly, they had a really annoying interface where mm. it didn't actually use the entire phone screen. It was like a miniature version. So you were kind of like looking through a viewfinder, but yes, right. That's right. I do remember that. So I believe the term is skeuomorphic where in a digital realm, they try to replicate something analog and sometimes it works and often it doesn't work. Mm. Wait, um, what's the case, term? Skeuomorphic. Skeuomorphic. Yeah, I've never yeah, heard that yeah. before. So yeah. hipstamatic and then Instagram 
changed the game in two kind of crucial ways. The first major change was that Instagram made photography into a social media app, which is arguably the largest change because there was something like 2,000 photo apps prior to Instagram. Right. And Hipstamatic was one, but there was no sharing element with Hipstamatic. It was just you resaved the photo onto your camera roll. And But Instagram, as they have been shown to do throughout their history, kind of copied the whole filter thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they definitely completely stole that idea from Hipstamatic. Um, I remember it being sort of a big deal when you took a photo initially when I joined Instagram um, and deciding which filter kind of fit your personality. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was weird um, after several years of using Instagram where the hashtag no filter mm. actually became a thing. It was such a thing, wasn't it? Because you ha- it was almost like a stamp of pride, like this photo is just this good on its own. <laughs> like it didn't even need a filter. Which turned out to be kind of BS in some cases, right? Because you could clearly tell... <laughs> When there was HDR or somebody was boosting saturation a little bit. Like the sunset was not that nice. Oh, my God. If you were lying while using the hashtag no filter, let us know. Like, call yourself out. You need to wash your hands clean of that because that's not fair. Everybody did that. (laughs) Everybody did that. I never did that. No way. Um, But the interesting thing to me is how that then gave rise to kind of the popularity of Snapchat. I mean, Snapchat was kind of the the successor to to Facebook in a lot of ways, right? In terms of being kind of a communication medium meets social media. And Snapchat called their filters, and they still do, I believe, lenses. So they have face lenses for your front-facing camera, mm-hmm. and then they have, for the rear camera, they have world lenses. And the big thing that Snapchat did was, I mean, there were other companies that were doing it before, but Snapchat either licensed the technology or they stole it, um, was leveraging that sort of augmented reality, that AR, uh, for both still images and the moving portrait. So you might have remembered the cat on the head, <laughs> which I think arguably was like my favorite Snapchat I, filter. I actually don't remember no, that. I don't remember that one. No. Either. My first like foray into using the Snapchat filters was the face swap. That's what got me to download Snapchat. That was too enticing. I had to face swap with my friends, my roommates. Like I had to do it. It was just I had to download photos of like my parents and do a face swap. Like it was a whole thing. Hours, hours of uh, time was wasted. Totally. With the face, with the, with the face swaps. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, you know that. So the, the face swap and the, the use of augmented reality to me was sort of the first time we moved out of trying to replicate traditional optical effects. Right. It was no longer. Um, like burnt edges or polarizer, like to increase contrast. We were actually switching elements. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we were creating a completely different reality than what was in front of us. So the success of Snapchat's lenses made kind of Instagram copy a lot of that stuff. <laughs> so then Instagram. So then Instagram copied another company. Ah, there you go. Yeah. But you know what I like uh, that Instagram really did? I'm still a fan, and it's been around for maybe two years now. I'm still a fan of uh, the filter Super Zoom. Mm, with um, the sound effects? With the sound effects. So I thought it was kind of a neat evolution where you had 
moving portrait, mm-hmm. augmented reality, kind of cheeky music, cheeky visual effects that was sort of retro TV, but also it felt very contemporary, kind mm-hmm. of a 21st century way. Mm-hmm. Yes, that is definitely a fun effect. Um, and then simultaneously in Asia, for whatever reason, a bunch of beauty apps gain enormous popularity. Um, Meitu, which means beautiful picture in Mandarin. Um, and a lot of these apps were all about uh, smoothing out your skin, mm-hmm. brightening your eyes or making them larger, mm-hmm. um, slimming your face. Yep. Um, and Meitu had an IPO, and now they're a $6 billion <laughs> company. Wow. I- is that that's different from Facetune, right? Well, there I, I believe Facetune might actually be a Meitu product. Okay, but there's there's a whole, I mean, there's a whole ecosystem of beauty apps, um, and a super interesting article in the New Yorker about uh, China's selfie obsession. Mm. Um, and they actually have a term. I'm going to butcher it because I don't speak uh, Mandarin, but Wang Hong Lian means internet celebrity face. So that's often the hashtag that they use. So they know that they're using it all the time. And there's a woman who was interviewed in the article uh, who says, we would never post something without beautifying the image, which is kind of scary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I was was watching something on Broadly about um, young women getting plastic surgery. And, um, you know, in the 90s, you would go into the plastic surgeon's office and you would bring a photo of Britney Spears. You'd bring bring a magazine um, to show, this is what I want to look like. I want to look like this person. And now they've found that more people are bringing in their cell phones and showing face-tuned photos of themselves um, that they've adjusted the nose or whatever they want, um, being like, this is how I want to look. Which and that's insane because it's, it's, <laughs> when you look at a, like a face-tuned image next to a real person. No, but you can fine-tune it so small that it's like you can just have these tiny little tweaks that are obtainable by plastic surgery. So, it, I mean, it was interesting. The, the A lot of the plastic surgeons were like, we actually think this is a a healthier body image than coming in with like a magazine. Really? I mean, yeah, but they're plastic surgeons. They want, you know, they want business. Um, But one, I guess, could argue that, yeah, that is a a little bit healthier. Well, the one, the one uh, article that I read in regards to selfies was how the, the forward facing camera is a wide angle lens. Mm. So when you're holding it at arm's length, arm's length, it has a tendency to distort your nose. So the nose in selfies oh. with the front-facing camera is actually looks bigger than it actually is. Oh. So people go into their plastic surgeon and say, my nose is too big because I take selfies. I want it smaller, not realizing like wow. that's not actually what they look like. Wow. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, wait. I want to jump back to regular filters. Yeah. Um, because I do feel like there was sort of this like plateau of when everyone was stopped using the hashtag like, no filter and actually did stop using filters like on posted on their photos on Instagram. At least I I mean, I did probably around 2015, Mm -hmm. like four years ago. Like do you still use filters ever? I never use filters, but I always use the the editing within Instagram within Instagram. Well, so if I take a photo with my DSLR or my mirrorless camera, mm-hmm. I'll edit that in Lightroom or Photoshop. Mm-hmm. And then when I bring it into the phone, I often find that on the screen, it's not punchy enough. Okay. Yeah, so yeah, I'll yeah. use the edit feature to sometimes, often I brighten it mm-hmm. um, and then I'll, I'll increase the contrast, whatever they call their version of, of sort of localized 
contrast. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a mm-hmm. weird game. It and, is, and it sort of bugs me too because not every image is, is meant to be seen as a postage stamp, mm-hmm. and it makes you make choices because we're chasing the likes simultaneously. Um, it, it kind of bothers me <laughs> to be honest, but yeah, I don't, I don't use the stock filters. They just yeah. they seem too extreme for me. No, totally. And, but they even created that thing where you could kind of tone down or adjust the amount that the filter right, right, is right, on. Right, and right. I'm, I remember being excited about that, but, um, yeah, really the only filter that I'll use to this day every now and again is the, um, the moon filter, the black and white one. Because sometimes I'll, I'll realize when by the time the picture gets to my phone, like I've emailed it to myself, you know, whatever, I'm like, mm, the skin tone isn't quite right. I'm not happy with the skin tone. Right. And so I'll just make it black and white and be like, call it a day. But, but let that's me ask you a question. I don't, I don't use the filters for the still photos that I post to Instagram proper to okay. the feed. Yes. But I often use filters for my stories. Oh, yeah. Because there seems to be something. Yeah much less formal. And so it's, it's more acceptable to sort of be self-effacing and <laughs> make yourself look dumb or whatever with the filters. No, totally. I mean, stories changed the game in terms stories of changed like, the game, man. They, changed, they changed the game. They stole that from Snapchat. From the snap and all right? the kids. Well, yeah. it's, yeah. I, you know, Snapchat still was holding the high school and college set for a while, but That's I true. even feel like even those guys are kind of moving over to Instagram more I th- often. I think so. I don't know, I mean, I, but it's, but it's true. Like I will throw a filter, a very noticeable filter um, onto my Insta story with like no shame. Hashtag filter. <laughs> Filters on my stories. So The Verge recently had an interesting piece and I didn't even know this existed, um, but there's a lot of augmented reality creators making these weird, sometimes often, often creepy art filters. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the way that it works, I didn't even realize this. When you follow these artists, then when you go into your Instagram, you have access to the filters that these artists have created. Yeah. I want to specify that it's face filters that they're face creating. Filters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I follow two of the people that are mentioned in the article. Mm-hmm. First of all, when you follow them, I, I don't know if, if there's a limit to how many that, that the creators allowed to upload, but I had like two dozen filters Mm -hmm. and it was sort of annoying trying to find um, the filter that you wanted to go for. Yes. They don't put them in any kind of chronological order. It's not like all of a sudden that person that you just followed bumps to the front or to the back. It's kind of like sprinkled throughout. Yeah. And then there's Instagram filters and then there's the creator filters and then more Instagram filters. Right. It's because they're still trying to get you to use, I think their original face filters. Right. And scroll through them and see like what you look like through each of those. It's weird to me, not so weird, but it's weird because I was just introduced to the whole concept. It's weird that the ecosystem is so large that these people have like 50,000 or 500,000 followers who have access to these filters. And I had no idea that this little niche community even existed, Mm -hmm. that the platform even supported the notion of these AR filters. It's crazy. It's pretty cool. I I would love to know more like, about Instagram's relationship with these artists? Like, are they paying them in some other way or are they really only paying them with follows? Because, like, that is kind of incredible, right? That, like, these artists are willing to give up their work um, and their, I don't know, their AR smarts, right, just for a follow? Like, whoa. Yeah. Yeah, like, that's kind of crazy. You gotta you gotta think that Instagram's not paying anyone anything. Yeah, right, yeah. 
I, I do. I tried the, uh, so there's an artist named Johanna Jaskowska um, that had this really kind of plasticky liquid mm-hmm. filter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then one of the other artists, Brenda Card- Cardenas, um, had this sort of gold, almost like a gold leaf application. And, and it's all AR, so it follows follows the contours of your face. I can see why the kids get into it. It's a really interesting look. Mm-hmm. Very like avant-garde feeling look to, to it. Totally. In fact, I wish we could just like record the whole show with one of those <laughs> glossy face filters. Like that would be pretty cool. <laughs> the one thing that uh, I, concerns me and I, and I, I thought about it and, and, you know, we've talked about security and privacy and stuff before. Mm-hmm. So one of the reasons why we can use this augmented reality stuff is because the front facing cameras have a lot more sensors in them. So there's a, you know, a distant sensor. That's how the whole face ID unlocks your phone, et cetera. So these depth sensors can basically map your face, uh, in, in a way that it's known as photogrammetry. So they could, in theory, recreate like a mask because they know the distance of the tip of your nose to like the eye, the back of your eye socket. And I'm thinking, oh, wow. you know, yeah. what if, what if some government wanted to create an app mm-hmm. under the guise of being a beauty app? And then what they're actually doing is making these very detailed biometric scans of everybody. Alan, are you, are you having trouble sleeping? <laughs> I'm always having trouble <laughs> sleeping around privacy. <laughs> yeah. No, that's a, That's a legitimate concern. Yes. So we went from, you know, this UV filter that my dad screwed onto the, my Olympus lens to protect the lens. And now we have to worry about, because we're so enticed by funsies. Mm -hmm. And by like weird face, facial masks. And it's, you know, it's never clear with, with the various apps of what, what's staying local on your phone versus what's getting uploaded into the cloud that the, the, the app developer has access to. Mm-hmm. I'm always sort of leery to download uh, these apps without knowing that it's a big company. But the flip side is yeah. sort of the, the big companies that are abusing it as much as the small companies. Right. right. I know. I know. I'm always like, yeah, accept, accept, accept. I just want to download this app. Like, I'm not going to read through all this terms of service. Um, yeah, but for some reason, just giving them a follow, like giving these developers a follow, seems safer for some reason. That's probably not true, but I don't know. Yeah. But you're I, right. We don't know who don't is know. behind Instagram. The mask. Does Instagram get to collect all of that photo <laughs> right. biometric data? That's a good question. Do any of our listeners know? Like, let us know. Let us know. Let us know. There's one more filter that I really want to talk about. Yeah. It's my favorite camera app. Um, it's Huji. Okay. <laughs> I think we've talked about this before. No. Tell ha- the people what, what, what's up with Huji. I love Huji. Okay. It, it replicates like a 1998 disposable camera. Um, so each picture turns out a little bit different. There's like really beautiful light, fake light leaks that it does. Sometimes it does like a little speckle as though the lens kind of got dusty in your bag. Like, it just like makes everybody look glowy and pretty, and I love it. Sarah, do you think that digital is too clean, and so we have <laughs> apps to make it feel like analog? Like, and, and yeah. I don't say I don't say this in, in sort of a flip way. Like, I, yeah. there's a real psychology behind trying to make things yes. look vintage. It's weird. Oh, 100%. In fact, there have actually been studies done by like Yahoo Labs. Like back in 2015, there was a study done 
by Yahoo Labs. And what they did is they analyzed a bunch of Flickr photos. Um, and a lot of those photos had been uploaded from Instagram. And they noticed that like a much higher percentage of the photos that had filters used on them, Instagram filters, had much more views than ones that didn't. Yes, I think people kind of want that that feeling of like that tactile feeling on their photos. So we're just suckers for filters is what you're saying at the end of the day. A hundred percent. We're suckers for like the mask face (laughs) filters. We're suckers for like the disposable camera filters. Like it's, yeah. Well, I, I enjoy them. So I'll, I'll keep using them at least in my, my Instagram stories. We'll see. We'll see Alan's filter use there. My filter use can be found also in stories. And you know what? Yeah. We'll, we'll, uh, when we post this podcast, there'll be a companion uh, blog post on the Photoshelter blog, blog.photoshelter.com. So you can see some of uh, our creations, maybe. That'd be great. I would gladly give those over to Photoshelter. <laughs> <laughs> Photoshelter is the online leader for photography websites and workflow tools. Archive, distribute, and sell your photos in a mobile-friendly, responsive website. Try one free for 14 days at photoshelter.com slash podcast. Then download one of our free educational guides at photoshelter.com slash resources.